Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Isn't this a sports show? Something, something, Patrick Mahomes, sexy deep ball. Almost entirely. You turn that hot dog sideways, that wiener's going to fall out. This is Almost Entirely Sports with Joshua Briscoe. You see what I'm saying? Whenever, whenever the bun enters your mouth. <laughs> On 1510 AM, 94.5 FM, and the ESPN Kansas City Facebook page. Unclench your butt muscles. Exhale deeply. <sighs> Let's talk about it. Keep up with the show on Twitter at JB Briscoe. I would come in here every day and be like, boy, it sure is good that I've got this place to fix my droopy wee-wee. Every day I would say that. On ESPN Kansas City. I think somebody stole a Red Bull out of the fridge again. As long as this is something that plagues my existence, I'm going to start the show with it every single time it happens. Do I need to just, like, poison one of them? That feels like an appropriate reaction, right? So now I'm drinking a super uh, superfood fruit smoothie. No added sugars. There's kale in it. I wanted to drink a Red Bull, a Red Bull. now I'm drinking something with kale in it. I don't know how I ended up here. Wow, there's a ton of sugar in it. I guess it's just because I got an apple and a peach and a mango and a banana and some powder that doesn't look sweet. Beer, just let me know whenever the show starts. We can actually talk about things. Still got like 10 more minutes. Yeah, we got 10 minutes. We got 10 minutes. It says I shake this up. Here we go. Lots going on right now. Welcome back into the show. Uh, yesterday, you got a little best of radio reaction because I was over on Between the Lines filling in for Kevin Keatsman. If you missed any of that from yesterday... Uh, we'll give you a couple of the good, good little additions um, because I got to talk to Mitch Holtis and also Tom Martin of KCTV5. You'll hear both of those coming up in the second hour of today's show right here. We will uh, chat with them both. You'll, you'll hear the conversations previously had with them both. That's uh, coming up later on. But in the meantime, we got some Chiefs news. We got a little bit of uh, 
We've got a little bit of, of Chiefs content to help bring us through a slow um, week for the most part. Also, though, NBA trade deadline, Beards has been Woo! hopped up. Did it, did it live up to your hopes and dreams as everything that you could have ever dreamt for? It was pretty good. It was pretty good. Anthony Davis didn't get traded. That Which was kind a of a thing. bummer. Yeah, you're, I mean, clearly unbiased. I didn't, Lonzo didn't end up in Phoenix. Michael Fultz got traded, which he I didn't did. even think was I didn't think was the thing that was going to happen necessarily. We'll, we'll we'll honestly probably do is we'll probably talk a little more about that here tomorrow and over on Sports Night tonight. So Beards is going to spend the next several hours preparing his uh, his NBA trade deadline summary for idiots is what we're going to call it because it'll be for people that don't follow the NBA as closely as you do, including myself, but more importantly the audience. Um, so that's uh, Beard is a work in progress. We got some Chief stuff, and the rule on this show is we start with Chief stuff, unless someone steals a Red Bull, in which case we start with that. Um, unless there's like I don't know an animal in the studio, which we would start there, um, or unless something happens to me, in which we would start there. But today we skip straight to the Red Bull and now to the Chiefs. So that's what we get now. Beard, you have all the sound I told you that was gonna be up and around. Yes. Excellent. There are two clips from Beach. I think there should be three. I think there are three. There's three. There's three. There's definitely three. Yeah, I just missed clicking on one of them. Okay. There's an Eric Berry, a D4, and a 4-3 defense. Yeah? Excellent. Over the last couple of days, we'll start with the Eric Berry one. It's not necessarily, I don't know if it's the most important of any of these things, but it's the thing that uh, that continues on a, a, a point that we've been discussing a lot these last few days. And I think it helps shed some light on on the fact that uh, lots of people are trying to make choices regarding Eric Berry. Lots of people are uh, are cutting him in their minds or or restructuring things that can't be restructured. And the Chiefs are taking a pretty chill perspective on it at this point. I think um, there are some surprises in this audio that you're going to hear in, in a minute, um, but. There's a there's a actual piece of news that you might not even catch right away that I will explain to you after we hear it. But uh, Brett Veach talked a couple places today. He talked earlier today with Sren Petra on the program, and then he also had a conference call with a bunch of Chiefs reporters. Here is what Brett Veach had to say regarding Eric Berry. With Eric, it was um, you know it was it was frustrating, and, and he was really the most frustrated person of all, just because everyone knows how much you know he is. Um, you know, compassionate about the whole process, that you know, the practice, the games, and what he means to the team. So um, it was good to see him um, for that New England game to take a full week of practice and, and to be out there and you kind of feel we, we left on a, on a good note. And, um, you know, I think with Eric, like with all of our players, you know, where they meet with the, um, the training staff at the end of, um, end of the season, gather information with our docs and their represent, uh, representatives, um, and um, you know, and, and a lot of these guys have have other specialists that, that they see, and they they get first, second, third, fourth opinions, that type of deal, and then they compile it and, and put together a plan moving forward. So we're in that process now, and and you know, we have a lot of information. Been here since '13 with Eric, and um, you know, there's been a lot of dialogue shared over the years, and, and certainly the last two years. So uh, you know, I'm confident that we'll be able to kind of work through this, and, and you know, when there is a definitive plan, I'm sure Rick and Coach will be able to, to address it. So right there, Brett Veach says basically nothing for like a minute. 
Uh, and he also said pretty much that earlier today to Sren Petscher on the program. The, the, the new thing, the really interesting thing, comes in this follow-up from Brett Veach in the conference call earlier today talking about Eric Berry. The season ends, you know, they're going to get with Rick. And there's, like, so much medical information that they're kind of working through. In fact, I think Eric was just in Green Bay a few days ago and, and it's flying back. Um, um, but, they, you know, they're going through, um, you know, all of the, uh, the postseason um, evals and, and exams. And, and, again, I think once they get to sit down and, and talk to Eric's people and, and other, you know, first, second opinion type people, they'll, they'll put together a plan. So I, as far as expectations for me right now, my focus is on, on um, finishing up these draft meetings and preparing for the draft, getting with Coach Fags and, and putting the free agency plan. And as the medical information um, comes in on Eric and with all these guys, you know, um, you know we'll then adjust and, and proceed. But, you know, right now that's, that's something that, um, you know, we're working through right now with, with the trainers and with, um, with Eric. Did you catch the most important thing there? Something we've talked about on the show uh, a few times over the last, uh, really, at this point, couple of months, maybe? Let's go back to John Wall. He's going to continually be a point of reference for all of this. Whenever John Wall went to get his surgery, he went to Green Bay, where Brett Veach just told us that he was uh, a couple days ago and is flying back now. Eric Berry went to Green Bay. That's where Dr. Robert Anderson is. And where John Wall went for the surgery on his Haglund's deformity and Achilles repair. It's also where Wall is going back for his surgery on his infected heel and ruptured Achilles after he fell. Uh, which, again, did rupture his, his Achilles uh, this week. That is a point of reference which which tells you a couple of things. Uh, one, it sounds like he hasn't gotten that surgery yet, but it's it's possible that he has. Because that's where he would have gone to get it. Um, also, obviously, Eric Berry is looking into getting a surgery. Um, that's the guy that you would go to to get it. It would make a lot of sense if that's where he was planning on going to, to get the surgery on this deformity, uh, on his heel. It it helps it helps release a little bit of the pressure that's been building up in these last couple of days of what if Eric Berry refuses to get the surgery. What if uh, he's already gotten it? What? How did it go? What's the? Are they even looking into it? What's taking so long? Some of that's there, there's some genuine questions in there, but the idea that uh, the the fact that he was in Green Bay, almost certainly meeting with uh, with Dr. Robert Anderson again, which is where John Wall went, also that that fills in a lot of gaps. That gives you a lot of information on where he is and has been and will be. I am a little surprised that there's not a more clear plan in place yet. Um, I'm a little surprised that we are uh, closing up the first week in February and there's not a plan in place. They did play, you know, till the end of January. Maybe somewhere in there, there's let's, it's taken a week off uh, to, to relax for a second. And also maybe it's something like letting swelling go down and just doing nothing but wearing Crocs. For uh, for a week and trying to stay off of that foot and let let all the swelling go down, so it's easier for for the doctors to check it out, make a plan, whatever. That is totally me guessing. But there there are elements of logic that could get here. I still think um, that that you have to expect Eric Berry to get this surgery. Very very likely to go back to Green Bay to get the surgery. Um, again, I think there's a there's a non-zero chance 
that he got the surgery already and that that that's not out yet um, and that Veach maybe spilled a little bit on that front. I don't think that's what happened, but there's a non-zero chance. But altogether, the fact that there's not a plan yet is a little surprising because I know that, that Veach wants to be planning for everything this offseason. Um, he's talking about the draft and prepping for the combine and he went and, you know, is at the, the senior bowl and all of that. I, I, I know. But to fully plan this offseason, you'd at least like to, to cut down on your um, potential the potential paths that Eric Berry's offseason could take. You need to you can't be fully relying on a return of Eric Berry, obviously. You can't put your fingers in your ears and go la 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 and and just assume that Eric Berry is going to be back and he's going to be a starting safety and all of that. However, you want to you want to know a reasonable you want to know a reasonable number of of potential outcomes. And so knowing that he is or isn't going to get the surgery or having him get or not get the surgery at least at least bring, brings some options in. You can say, all right, I know for a fact we're not doing this day-to-day bleep again and that he's out for six months and then it could be as much as nine months and if he gets re-injured, it could be a year. At, at least it's not. Well, maybe he gets the surgery, and maybe he doesn't. Maybe he does the day-to-day thing, and maybe it's better this year. Maybe he gets sound wave therapy on his bones uh, this off season, and maybe there's a non-surgical way to go about it. And if he, but what if it's August and that hasn't worked? Then does he get the surgery on that? Isn't the whole seat? You you see what I'm saying? There are a lot of there are a lot of doors that can be that can be shut by a plan. And basically any decision. So you'd like to think that a decision on some level is on its way. Because Brett Veach doesn't want to be flying totally blind into this offseason. Uh, on the Eric Berry front. So I imagine that he'd like to know something relatively soon. Um, maybe the, the more interesting topic for this offseason... Uh, maybe the the thing that at least the thing that is certainly going to impact them on the field, as we don't know exactly what to, what to do with Eric Berry, is the changes of the defense. He he mentioned at one point. I don't think it's in any of the audio, but he mentioned at one point that Steve Spagnuolo is in the building now, uh, and that that's something that uh, is has finally truly gotten rolling in earnest. Uh, but he also talked earlier today about the uh, the change to a 4-3 defense. He was talking to Seren Petro on the program, and Seren was talking about how he saw a place for Anthony Hitchens, who came from a 4-3, uh, and, and Dorian O'Daniel to be a, a weak side 4-3 outside linebacker. And, and, and he was saying that it seems like there's a, a real spot for those guys, and it seems like Brett Veach agrees. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I'd agree with that. Certainly Anthony had success playing in, in a 4-3 scheme in Dallas, and, and, and Dorian... Um, and Breland speaks to both those guys are, are kind of tailor-made. Dorian has a 4-3 will, and, and Breland as a as a close side end in a, in a, in a four-man front. So, um, you know, and going back to kind of why we brought these guys in here, we, we brought guys in here a year ago because we thought they were scheme versatile and, and they can, you know, do different things in different schemes. Um, it just so happens that this scheme is probably even more suited to their strength. So, uh, yeah, we certainly do feel 
like those guys are, are going to really um, have a chance to excel and grow and, and develop uh, under Steve's watch and, and tutelage and and, um, and you know and then guys like like Chris and, and Derek Nandi should be um, guys continue to do exactly what they did last year and that's just go out there and, and be consistent and make plays every game. So that's fascinating. And he gives you an actual look into what's going on there, right? Uh, because he uses a couple of, of words that are very descriptive to this 4-3 defense. He also volunteers a little information. Uh, I agree that, that Hitchens, Hitchens isn't a terribly natural middle linebacker. Um, but it's probably the spot he fits best, especially considering everything else here. Um, but Dorian O'Daniel as a weak side linebacker makes a lot of sense. He he pointed that out specifically. He also said Breland Speaks would slide in nicely as his phrase was a close side end, which is the opposite of what D Ford would do as the the wide nine guy, um, or what they would they called on, on many cases the Leo. He's the he's the far out wide guy who's doing a lot of pass rushing, um, and then the the role for for Justin Houston, you would want to use him as a guy that could be used to rush the passer pretty frequently, um, and so he's probably out there trying to come around the edge behind uh, outside, I guess, of, of Breland Speaks. It it makes a lot of sense. This this defense starts really really coming together. Um, as you as you see what this four three front would look like, and again they're going to be in a base four three like a quarter of the time, but whenever you have a four man front as your default, even as you whatever you pull Anthony Hitchens off the field in in a passing situation to bring in another defensive back or whatever, the the math really works out here for me, and I don't want to work on I don't want to work on Anthony Barr. I'd rather just pay Justin Houston for this year. Um, and it actually, Houston would be a guy that I think is more realistic as a contract restructure than Eric Berry would be because you actually could guarantee Houston another year after this and it wouldn't ruin my day or anything. I still think it makes more sense to let him play it out uh, and then you can move on and, and really have a, a ton of, of budget open up for next year because you're probably losing Ford, probably losing Houston, probably losing Barry. Lots of money opens up for next season, after next season, I guess. Um, but I, I don't know if that's if that's prudent because you also need to find someone to bring into those spots. And where does Tano Passigno fit? He's probably the wide nine guy behind D Ford, and I do like him better there. I hope he fits there. I hope the Chiefs put him there. Um, but all that's really interesting, and especially you look at it again. Maybe an imperfect fit. Um, for a guy like Hitchens in the middle, maybe maybe he's a more natural fit, kind of in that uh, weak sided spot that Dorian O'Daniel's going to be in. Although I don't know if Hitchens can cover there, uh, cover from that spot. It does lend a little bit of credence to the conspiracy theory, though. Of was this always the plan? Did Brett Veach always know that he was building a four three defense? Because Breland Speaks makes more sense as a close side end than a four three front. Dorian O'Daniel makes more sense as a weak side linebacker. Everybody, Anthony Hitchens makes more sense as a 4-3 somewhere. Derek Noddy makes sense as a 4-3 uh, down lineman in the middle there. Jones can move, Ford can move, Houston can move. But, but the, guys that, the, the guys in this new front seven, the, the ones that, that Brett Veach brought in almost make more sense in a 4-3. 
Dorian O'Daniel and Breland Speaks seem the most obvious because they are a little bit of, of a guy without a position um, at this point in the year or at this point in their career. Because Dorian O'Daniel doesn't really make sense in a, in a four man uh, middle or a four man linebacker group in the 3 4. He's not big enough to be one of the Mike guys, um, either the middle guys, but you also don't want him as one of your primary edge rushers. This is where he fits. This is where Hitchens fits. This is certainly where Speaks fits. D. Ford can make this move. Chris Jones and Derek Naughty in the middle make all the sense in the world. Houston, as that guy that ends up actually rushing the passer pretty frequently, makes a ton of sense. You have to address a lot of things in your secondary, but the Chiefs are going to, they're simply going to do that. Uh, hopefully that's through the draft because they need some long term solutions. I think this team is still missing a number one cornerback. I think Kendall Fuller is a fine player. And not a fine, fine player, but like, he's a fine player. He's a, he's a good player. And if your number two corner goes from outside into the slot and then you bring in Trivarius Ward whenever you're out there in a, a nickel or dime package, it totally yeah, that's totally fine. But I don't think you want Kendall Fuller to be your best cornerback. So with that pick that they, they gave to the Rams, or that they got from the Rams for Marcus Peters, they need to try to find a way to replace Marcus Peters. Maybe it's earlier on, and that's a, a spot for a safety. But or maybe they move up because they actually have the ammunition. Somewhere else, we didn't, I didn't cut this either. Um, but Brett Veach said he couldn't even remember the last time they had uh, picks for the first three rounds. They, if they wanted to do, to do anything crazy... Like moving up in the first round, they have the ammo to do, to do that. But especially if they decide they want to move up something like ten spots in the second round, they could give a, a lot and still have a lot of flexibility. They could give a second round pick to move up a big chunk. They could give their third round pick and then still have three picks in the first two rounds. There there are a lot of options there for the Chiefs. Um, right now, though, if you want to start looking ahead to draft strategy, I don't know. I don't know exactly where to, where to land on what should they be doing with with these picks because they're they're obviously they're the favorite to win the Super Bowl next year. You would say that they just need to focus on getting more top end talent, but this team could also use a couple more depth pieces. That defensive line could use another body to rotate through. I don't think they have a reason to to let Tano Passanio go, but it isn't something that makes me a little bit nervous. They need a number two tight end. They could use another wide receiver. We don't know exactly who fits in this group of linebackers. They need all the help in the world in the secondary. They they were pretty lucky to be healthy for most of this year, um, only losing Kendall Fuller for that one game. And obviously Eric Berry. And also, I guess, Armani Watts. You, but you saw in that safety spot, that room was was bad. During, and uh, Daniel Sorensen also got it. They, they were They were... They were successfully healthy at the cornerback position, I should say. Because they came into the year with just with three dudes. It was Fuller, Nelson, and Skandrick. And uh, those three guys combined missed one game due to injury. And then obviously Skandrick got swapped out for Tarverius Ward, who was better than Skandrick was, no question. But I'd feel better about having Ward as your as your fourth guy again. He probably won't be. He'll probably be the Chiefs' third. But if he's going to be your third, I would very. I can live with that. If your first guy is is TBD, your second guy is Kendall Fuller. Third guy is Ward. I can live with all that. That all checks out. 
But a lot of these questions are going to be about the secondary. Um, because the front seven, just with guys currently on the roster, I think is a really good unit. I think it's really strong. The front seven in a 4-3, just with guys currently on the roster, assuming that I'm counting D Ford, and we'll talk about him uh, next segment here in a second. But just this roster as, as currently constructed has a front seven, which can take you back to that, to that question about Eric Berry. You'd like to know that he's going to be there or that he's not going to be there so you can start to build the secondary with or without him. And I understand that you want lots of people. They want to be able to to write off Eric Berry and just or just say, "Hey, just plan on him not being here." And then if he's not, then we can deal with it later. We can it'll be a happy little surprise. But but frankly, if you're looking at something like, okay, where do we want to invest? We in our first draft pick, we want to win the Super Bowl this year. Do we do we trade up and get a number one corner, or do we do we have a number one corner sitting here, or do we take a safety that's going to help us both in the short term and in the long term? What do we want to go to first? If you get one more year out of Eric Berry, even if it's just one more year, that safety position is something that you deal with later. If he's definitely not there. It's probably a bigger priority than corner for that moment. I'm predisposed to say they should be addressing corner first and foremost anyway. Uh, we've seen Bob Sutton's defense be very much built around the secondary, or very much around the safety within that secondary. I'm a big proponent of the value of, of a true shutdown cornerback. Spagnolo's first step is going to be pass rushers. Um, I, I think if the Chiefs stand pat, they're going to have plenty of them on this roster next year. There are a lot of questions, and, and you need to be able to at least have something to expect regarding Eric Berry. One other thing on the 4-3, I said, you know, it, 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 this feeds the conspiracy theory of the Chiefs were always preparing to move to a 4-3. Maybe even just a, in, unless, unless Bob Sutton isn't excellent, we're going we're gonna to fire him after this season. Is there a chance there's this big grand conspiracy theory? Spagnuolo wanted to take a year off, and now he's back. Is there a chance there's merit to that? You know what? Yes, there is. There is a chance that there was, at the very least, Spagnuolo in place, going to the 4-3, assuming anything other than an outstanding year from Bob Sutton. But if that was the case on any level, it was also a tremendous mistake. Because it very likely cost you a Super Bowl this year. And even if Spagnuolo straight up refused to coach last season, you should have, you should have gone to someone else. You should have found the second guy on your list. But even if that was the case, uh, you also spend the first season of Breland Speaks' career asking him to play a position that he is not meant to play. You, you let Tano Passigno rot on the vine. Because because Bob Sutton needed to fill that gap for a year, I would have rather straight up said, "Hey, in 2019 we're going to have Steve Spagnuolo, uh, but for 2018 we're going to let any number of our current defensive assistants come in and coach a four-three. 
if that's what you're doing, if you're playing that game, it, that that feels really silly. So I don't think that there was always a grand plan on that front. I think Breland Speaks and uh, and Dorian O'Daniel and Anthony Hitchens are going to benefit from the scheme change, and I think that Brett Veach was largely targeting versatile players. Dorian O'Daniel is certainly that, but he was probably either going to be a hybrid guy or he fits as a will. Speaks is either going to be forced in as some sort of hybrid something or he makes a lot of sense as a close side end and a 4-3 front. Derek Nottie could have played nose or he could play uh, like the one tech in this in this 4-3 defense. Hitchens, I don't know. I, I still am holding out hope in a, in a big way here. I'm, I'm being um, a bit of an optimist regarding Anthony Hitchens just because I think Bob Sutton was asking him to do so much more than he should have been asking him to do. So I got a little optimism there. But that's what the Chiefs are at right now. Those are some interesting things from Brett Veach. I told you we'd talk about D Ford. Whenever we come back, I want you to hear what he says about D Ford here. And I'll I'll make the case for why keeping him for another season, along with, with Justin Houston, should be an absolute no-brainer. This is almost entirely sports with Joshua Briscoe. Give D Ford my groin. On 1510 AM, 94.5 FM, and the ESPN Kansas City Facebook page. The uh, news regarding some assistant coaches is trickling out. Field Yates just tweeted, The Chiefs are hiring former Jags assistant DL coach David Merritt as their defensive backs coach. Previously worked with new D.C. Steve Spagnuolo. Um, At this point, I'm expecting a full overhaul of all the assistant coaches, and I'm good with it. Uh, That means Emmett Thomas is out uh, as defensive backs coach, which makes enough sense to me. Um, I know that... You know, you like having the the connection there, all that I, with the you know the past, the franchise, and everything. Um, but uh, the defensive backs were not good enough last year. Maybe you give them a little credit for awards development. I don't know, man. I, I expect Spagnuolo to bring in all of his own guys. I'm totally good with it. Um, the, I think even the guys that had gotten some hype have already found other gigs. So uh, expecting a total overhaul. No surprise there. Um. We'll, we'll get to D. Ford here in a second. Uh, we'll hear what, what Brett Veach had to say about him today. We'll, we'll dive into a, to a little bit more of that. Uh, also coming up in about 20 minutes, we have my conversation that I had with Mitch Holtis, voice of the Chiefs. You know who Mitch Holtis is. He wanted to break down Patrick Mahomes' MVP speech, which I thought was really interesting. Uh, so you'll hear that coming up in about 20 minutes or so. But George has called in. What's up, George? Whoop, there Let's we go. I, sorry, it took me two tries to hit the button. What's up? Long time no speak. How you doing? Actually, thank you for asking. I needed you guys yesterday. Okay. I had take a, taken a fall, sir. You've taken a fall? I, I had taken a fall. Carrying laundry up from the basement, I missed a step. Oh, no. And, of course, the clothes go everywhere, and so do I. Right. So they put me on pain pills. Because I have a nice uh, bruise, contusion on my right side. And... I was in a very high and flying mood yesterday. <laughs> and I said, hey, I'll call the show. <laughs> and then you guys had a best of. It was I'm, terrible. I'm sorry. I'm, so, I'm sorry we missed out on that. Truly, I am. That would have been excellent uh, radio. Hi. <laughs> I, at least I was, even in my dazed and injured state, I was thinking of you guys. So I appreciate that. It makes me feel good. There you go. Hey, can I beat a dead horse? Yeah, I'd love you if you would. Go ahead. Beat that horse. Okay. Old news 
dead topic, but I still had something to say. Okay. Okay. So the catch that was never made because of the heavy interference in the Saints-Rams game. Yeah. Okay. Everybody says, okay, well, first of all, it was within the two minutes, so you, so nobody could challenge anything. It has to be from the booth. Right. Okay. Can we remove that? Uh, what is the, yeah, sure. I, what is the reasoning for that? I mean, I, I don't understand that. It's. I think the reasoning. The reasoning is so. If there's a mistake made in the last two minutes, uh, if a coach has run out of challenges or whatever, they are not punished in the last two minutes. You know, we're saying that hey, in the last two minutes, we want to. We if really you have care. A challenge and you can't use it. It's still being punished. Correct. That's right. Okay. Second point is one of the calls you can currently make, two minutes or not, is catch or no catch. Mm-hmm. Okay? This obviously was not a catch. Right. In the process of reviewing after throwing the challenge that it was not a catch, they see the obvious pass interference. Mm -hmm. Why would that not be allowed? Uh, because I think the only the only penalty that you can you can add on after you know the play is wrapped up and you you know you get a little bit of time after a play ends of course, um, but the only the only penalty that can be added on I believe still is uh, like targeting the helmet to helmet stuff uh, and even that I think might just be for ejections that, that and that's all new this year. Mm-hmm. Well, again, I think that might be an area to expand. Agreed. That just that's why that's why right now they can't. But no, I agree. I, there's going to be a lot of changes on that front coming up. Well, this but I'm just trying to say within the rules of the of the current structure, the guy hit him well before he could catch the ball. So therefore, it's not a catch. Mm-hmm. That's the rule, mm-hmm. not a catch. But in the process of discovering that it's not a catch, you find the pass interference. But that happens all the time. I mean, there there are those catch no catch uh, things. All I'm the time. not arguing. I'm not right. arguing that. I'm saying. That would be the opportunity to add the penalty for something that the ref missed the first time. I think it's totally plausible that the solution looks something like that. Uh, we're going to have like those owners' meetings where we always pretend something's going yeah. to happen. There's going to be there's going to be some some substantial changes to the the penalty system. I believe this year. Well, is it? Is it McVay on the committee? <laughs> uh, well, so all of the, the you know the, the politics of that are interesting because I'm not 100 percent sure. I because I know that like I know Dave Tobe, the chief special teams coach, um, was was really involved in a lot of like the the kicking rule changes over the last couple of seasons, and then all of the owners all get like a vote on stuff, and the competition committee is a thing that I think I think Bill Belichick had like proposed something uh, to this extent one time. I'm not totally sure about all the inner workings of the committee though. Just, just again, curious observations, that's yeah, all. Yeah, absolutely. And it wouldn't it have been very interesting, had Edelman not been such a great receiver in the game, if they'd have given it to the Patriots punter? We we were pretty close to that. So Johnny Hecker, the um, Rams punter, he he's had a couple of those uh, fourth down conversions and everything. If yeah. one of those magically turns into a touchdown, he definitely he definitely wins MVP. It was just an amazing game of football. Yes, you're right. It was very foot heavy. And so, but again, that's people don't they want to see touchdowns, and I wouldn't yeah. blame them. But it's still a game of all all phases, and they mm-hmm. keep saying that it's a trite phrase. Special teams count, folks. Yeah. So what have I missed? Oh, <laughs> uh, you're in Radio how, Row hey, for your. How, your how was your time in in in, in, uh, in Atlanta? It was good, man. It was good. It was. Um, 
it was an interesting experience. It was it was fun to get to be down there and to see all of the uh, the trucking around of of sea uh, list celebrities shilling products of their choice, getting the, to hop in occasionally and get to, you get to talk to Vander Holyfield while he talks about uh, you know prime I heard, I prime heard beef. That one. Yeah, I heard so, you and Mike Golick too, and that was a great talk. Golick was great. I really enjoyed getting to talk to him. Yeah, thank you. Um, from yeah, a lot of the guys, especially on the ones from the best of, and if anybody listening missed it, uh, the best of is on the podcast page and everything too. Those truly were just like my favorite uh, conversations. Um, so there were there were lots of good ones, and also a lot of chaos, and um, not nearly enough free food. Well, that's where I was going next. Did you get to play tourists at all? Um, not really. No, we, we, uh, I mean, within the, the confines of like all the media stuff, we got mm-hmm. some of that food and got to, got to take a little tour around Radio Row, but that was really it. We didn't get to go, we didn't go do anything in Atlanta other well, than, you didn't uh, go to the varsity, you didn't go to the varsity? No, I don't, I, I, we, we went, I went to dinner once. Mm. <laughs> that was, that was it. That was the extent that I think about it. Cheese and crackers in the room if you're not eating free food. Yep, no, it's yeah, that's that's the that's the thing. You eat the food, the free food at the media center, um, and then that holds you over until there's free breakfast at the media center the next day. So it was not a bad existence. I I cannot complain. Who went with you? It was me and Rudy and Seren. We were the uh, the the crew of misfits. Seren Petro. Yes. They left him off his leash. They, <laughs> yeah, are you, he had Rudy and I on a leash. We were, we were the, uh, we, he was the, the babysitter. We were the babysat, no question. Uh, yeah. So who misbehaved more then? That's a three-way tie. I'm, I'm uh, legally not allowed. I'm legally not allowed to answer that question. What stays in Atlanta stays in Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, and on the plane and <laughs> the airport. What happened, every one of those places stays in those places and, uh, and will not make its way back out. Well, if, if, would you go back as a tourist? Uh, I didn't see enough to want to see more of it. I guess if that makes any sense. I heard that there was great stuff around. There's great stuff around Atlanta that we didn't experience. What we did was it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't special. I'm sure uh, Atlanta's nice, but I didn't get to see any of the of the niceness. Oh, okay. It was well, all right though. It was good. It was a, it was a good experience. I was happy I've to had go. Some good, I've had some good trips in Atlanta. The the coolest thing you can do, as far as I'm concerned, of course I'm a geek. What I'm mm-hmm. going to tell you is take the CNN tour. We were right. That was right by the the the, the center that all the media was in. Um, and man, I I we walked by it that building. I mean, every single time we went in and out. Um, and I thought that would have been extremely cool, but we just never had a chance. No, no. I mean, it is that, and, and uh, it's a little hokey, but it's still cool. Is the World of Coca Cola exhibit? Oh, interesting. I didn't know that was down there. That was that was cool. Hmm. Uh, so just some things if you ever if you ever happen to sneak, sneak back into town. I'll I'll keep it in mind. If they if they actually let you, right? That's true. I don't think I did anything to get banned from Atlanta. I do think that part of the trip was a success. So the real question then: forget the food, forget the game. Mm-hmm. What swag did you get? I got a free button. Oh, I, come on! I think that was it. Yeah, I got a button. I got an, an Atlanta button. Um, I got a second one for girlfriend Renee, which was free. So it was a very a very good. Uh, <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day, Renee. <laughs> well, yep. Here's what I got you in Atlanta. I got you a free button that says, like, Atlanta, home of Super Bowl 53. Uh, we took lots of pictures of me interviewing people more famous than me. That was it, though. That was the uh... – oh, and, and the people at the Harvard Player Study gave uh, Rudy and I four XL T-shirts. Well, I was going to ask you if somebody gave you at least a T-shirt. Man. Yeah, that came from Harvard. I do have a Harvard T-shirt now, so that's exciting. No, if you can only get the education. To yeah, go. listen, believe me. 
I thought about it. So, other than that, I just wanted to touch base, make sure the world is still spinning in your direction. It is. I'm. Uh, I'm sorry to hear that you are. Uh, that you're currently on the a, mend. I am a gimp. I am on a, on a cane at the moment. <laughs> oh man. Well, uh, I'm glad that I'm glad that it's not. Uh, I don't know, more severe, I suppose, and yeah, that you well, were. Yeah, you know, it was a it was a good contusion, good little. Yeah. You know. But you you play through pain. You're a warrior. You're out here. You're day to day. You're day to day, and that's okay. Um, yeah, I did. Like I said, I did honestly make the effort to call you guys. That's excellent. And, uh, that makes that's that is so wonderful. I'm so upset we weren't here to take it. Um, but no, just be day to day for the next six months or so, and uh, we'll we'll call it good. Well, the next time I take a, a tumble and get on high meds, I'll, I'll be sure <laughs> to keep you in mind. <laughs> Please do. Please do. Thanks, George. Good to hear from you. Bye. Uh, I mean, we should probably just take a break now, right? Yeah, we'll do. All right, we'll talk to. We, <laughs> sorry, that was our George segment. Special guest George. Uh, and whenever we come back, we'll talk about D Ford. I, I, you know, I didn't. I didn't feel like I was robbed of free swag until just now. And I, I, I went and got. Oh, I got M and M's. The M M&M and M people came by and gave us those big boxes with every new M M&M and M bar in it. I've gone through most of them. They are excellent. They are delicious. I've eaten every flavor now except for the original crispy one, which I'm sure is also going to be excellent. So I lied. Rudy and I got t-shirts, 4XL t-shirts, from Harvard. Um, oh, the uh, pork rind guy. I, I haven't eaten my barbecue kimchi-flavored pork rinds yet, but I have those. I also got a bottle of barbecue sauce from them. And uh, buttons. A little pen. And I, you know how much you know how I feel about buttons and pens and stuff, putting them on jackets and everything. Is that all... Hmm. Oh, and I also stole Jack Young Blood Super Bowl ring. This is almost entirely sports with Joshua Briscoe. What's the lapel hole called? Buttonhole. The buttonhole. Um, I could absolutely pop that into the into the buttonhole. You just tell me to be careful on the word buttonhole. Yeah, good, good call, Beards. Thank you. You're a good producer. On fifteen ten a.m. ninety four point five FM and the ESPN Kansas City Facebook page. Just for the record. Did not steal Jack Youngblood's Super Bowl ring. Because he is, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. He is, let's see. Jack Youngblood. He is, uh, he's 69. Nice. And he could kick my ass a thousand different ways. He sat down at the table to do his interview with an unlit cigar in his mouth. If you have an unlit cigar in your mouth, could you beat up everyone else in the room? I feel like that's the signal you're trying to send. Tweet this out, Beard. Tweet out the poll question here. If if someone walks into a room with an unlit cigar in their mouth, do you immediately assume they could beat up everyone else in the room? Oh, hang on. I've got to open up my other browser because TweetDeck doesn't do polls. It's true. I might, do I need to wait and dictate this for you? No, like, I should have it. Because also, here's the other thing. His unlit cigar had definitely previously been lit. So maybe we just say a cigar. Tell me when you're ready. I'm going to dictate yeah, this to you as if I am a king from the medieval times and you are my scribe. Do you want me to hashtag poll it? I do. At the front? Hashtag poll. Hit it with that colon. Are you ready? Hashtag poll. Wow, that's not that's not how I type poll. Wow, this is... Starting off great. This is painful. Hashtag poll semicolon. Not a semicolon. Full colon. Yeah, that's, I did that. Okay. If someone walks into a room with a cigar in their mouth, 
do you immediately assume they could beat up everyone else in the room? Yes or no? Do you immediately... It's painful. I'm in pain right now. Assume they could beat everyone in the room up. That's not how I phrase it, but we're close enough. Do you have any changes you'd like to make? I just, just as you guys decide with the way that I said it. You beat up everyone else in the room. Beating everyone else in the room up means just like you know, like you're hitting them vertically. So how do you want me to rephrase it? If someone walks into a room with a cigar in their mouth, uh-huh. you immediately assume they could beat up everyone else in the room. Okay. Yes or no? Anyway, D Ford. Brett Veach uh, was talking to a lot of people earlier today. He was on the program with Stren Petra. If you want to hear that full, that full thing, you listen to it at 810WHB.com. Uh, it's the uh, the whole conversation. I listened to the whole thing earlier. It's really interesting. He also I was on... it. Thank you, Beards. Is that from the at, from at Kansas City ESPN? Yes. I'll go retweet it. Um, Veach talked to Saran. He also talked uh, on a conference call with a bunch of Chiefs reporters. And on the conference call uh, is where I, I grabbed this answer, talking about D Ford. He didn't really say much until the very end of this answer. First, we see he had an outstanding season. Um, you know, he was uh, at the top of his game. And, and um, really, when we drafted D a, a few years ago, all those things that we kind of envisioned for him kind of showed that, you know, he was that player. And, and um, you know, we, we are running a different scheme now. And, and um, you know, she's had a chance to – he actually started the process on Monday, go through the roster and kind of um, look at these guys. Uh, again, not knowing where their drafts or how much money they're making, and just give you a, a pure feel on, you know, strengths, weaknesses, and how we can get better. And then we'll kind of throw our dialogue in there with, um, with the other information in regards to, you know, what we can do to, to get creative in, in regards to structuring things from the cap standpoint. Um, but you know, obviously, he's a player that, um, you know, had done so much for us uh, in particular last year that, you know, um, you know we're excited about um, bringing him back. Joe, did you catch that? Play the last, like, five seconds of that again, Beards. It could be honest, it's the last, like, two seconds of that. You know, we're excited about um, bringing him back. The inflection is weird, I think. I don't know. Lebo cut that audio, to be honest. I do think that the, the expectation is that they will bring D Ford back. I expect it to be the franchise tag, and frankly, I think that's what I would want them to do. Uh, you've already drafted Passagno and Speaks. I don't think either of them are going to be Houston or Ford. But if you can, if you can, if you can, if you can guess right, if you can draft a pass rusher, it's it's probably the second most valuable thing in the sport. D. Ford or Justin Houston on a rookie contract is not as valuable as the quarterback, but it's probably second. And like uh, Tyreek Hill is going to be on that on that level, right? Chris Jones is that guy right now. He's a pass rusher that gets there. Now, Ford and Houston are obviously different types of players uh, as edge rushers. And then right now in the four three, that'll change even more. But those guys are so valuable that, that it's why I'm not in a vacuum angry about Speaks and Passigno being drafted where they were. 
Uh, it's the fact that for Speaks, it was after Passanio and also when this team so desperately needed help in the secondary. Um, it's also, Speaks is a player. Didn't make any sense for the draft spot last year. But if you keep taking shots, trying to establish that you're going to be able to get a pass rusher of your choosing under a contract for a long time as a rookie under a rookie deal, it's a huge value. But I do think that you keep Houston this year, you franchise tag D Ford, and you use those guys as the core of your pass rushing group, along with Chris Jones, to go win a Super Bowl. Because that's all legitimate for the Chiefs. The real star, though, obviously, the MVP, Patrick Mahomes. We talked to Mitch Holt, this voice of the Chiefs, about Mahomes, coming up next. You're listening to Almost Entirely Sports with Joshua Briscoe on ESPN Kansas City.